0: Hi everyone, this is Krishna Thakkar and thanks for clicking on this podcast. The topic of today's podcast is feminism and Ramayan. While for a person who watches too much of news or heated debates, feminism and Ramayan must be sounding like a contradiction. So let's try and shake off some myths surrounding our myth Ramayan. Feminism? What is feminism? Someone once curtly asked me, you aren't those feminist type of women, right? I replied. That depends on how patriarchal you are. Feminism for believers is equal rights of men and women in all fields, and for the others, it is women really going out of hand. Today's women drink, swear, wear short clothes, back on some men, and the genuine response is, Aur do "Or do ko azadi." Before I get too negative and put off your mood, let me directly ponder into the subject of feminism in Ramayana. Firstly, we all know that King Janak had adopted Sita. Sita was his adopted child, not a biological one. Those were the days when girls were adopted, not killed in the womb. Here's a small story from Sita's childhood. King Janak had a bow gifted by Lord Shiva. The bow was so mighty that no one, not even King Janak, could ever lift it. It was placed in the Shiva temple on a chariot. More than a hundred of the strongest soldiers would be required to even slightly shift the chariot. King Janak and his family worshipped the bow daily along with the prayers for Lord Shiva. One day when King Janak arrived at the temple, he saw baby Sita praying to the bow. What happened next shocked him. Sita, a mere child, merrily picked up the bow as if it were some toy. She lifted the bow and paid her respects. She then went ahead and carried on playing with her sisters. Not even for a second did Sita realize that what she had done was miraculous. No one had ever been able to lift the bow. King Janak told his wife Sunanya about this feat and immediately took an oath. He said, Only such a person shall marry my daughter, who will be able to lift the bow. Queen Sunanya cried a tear in panic. No one, dear king, no one has ever been able to lift the bow. I agree that our daughter has performed a remarkable feat. But how can you take an oath in Lord Shiva's name? What if someone is never able to achieve this feat? King Janak replied, sunanya as a father it is my duty to get my daughter married to a person who understands her who lets her be if she marries someone less intelligent than her less powerful than her how will he ever be able to match up to her or keep her happy but there is a chance that our daughter will stay unmarried queen sunanya asked and that is better than getting our daughter married to the wrong person and ruining her happiness forever. I will choose a groom who is worthy of her. It is better to get our daughter married to the right person or not get her married at all. This is the thought of a father then. And look at us today. The moment a girl turns marriageable age, we sometimes end up making her life miserable to get her married because girls need to get married at the right age. All we see is if the groom's family has enough money and is well settled to say so. We don't try to find out if the groom himself is worthy of our daughter. Is he intelligent? Is he too proud? Haughty? Arrogant? Selfish? Is other women his weakness? Do we try to find out? Hardly. When our married daughters come home and complain about the problems in the in-laws place, We sigh and say, God's wish. Phew, who would have thought something like that would happen? We thought very well for our daughters. How would we know that they were not the right people? Why wouldn't you know if they were right people or not before getting your daughter married? If we can love our daughters so much that we gift them fancy weddings, why can't we gift them a partner? who can take care of them for the rest of their lives. While we talk about weddings, here's the instance from Ramayan, where King Janak does all the necessary preparations for the gifts to be presented to Ram and his family. When King Dashrath comes to know of it, he refuses to accept all gifts. He says, I am a father of four sons. For the first time, I will be father to a daughter. This is the biggest gift one can get, hence I would request King Janak that you distribute these gifts among the poor, for we have received our gift, a daughter. So the system of dowry too didn't actually originate from the myth, isn't it? It's the society that's responsible, not the scripture. Even today gifts are given, not dowry, gifts. Dowry is a bad word, gift is appropriate. Ram and Sita were married and King Janak incidentally promised Ram saying the following words, Now if you go to a palace or a forest, my daughter shall follow you like a shadow. Thus, ladies and gentlemen, a pair of equals was formed. Wouldn't it be the most compatible? Because the foundation of the relationship wasn't any compromise. It was compatibility. When Sita came to Dashrath's place, she was given the status of a daughter by all her mother-in-laws. She was immediately given the keys of power and mother Kaushalya would offer her guidance on how to run the errands. Our countless tv serials on Saz Bahu drama and their continued success for the last 20 years is a proof that if art is a reflection of the society, sadly, this reflection isn't a good one. What is the percentage of a daughter-in-laws who come home happily not cribbing about their mother-in-law's controlling nature or what is the percentage of mother-in-laws not wanting to change their daughter-in-laws according to their customs? me rangme Ramjao, rang she smilingly says to her daughter-in-law. Well, this too hasn't originated from our myth. Now we move on to the next one. Queen Kaikai asked Dashrath for two boons. From where did she get those boons? Kaikai was Dashrat's charioter in his battle with the Asuras. Her wit and smartness saved Dashrat's life. That's why King Dashrath granted her two boons. We all know what she asked in those two boons. But dear listeners, those were the days when kings had women charioters. People often give Sita as an example of an ideal wife. And by ideal, they don't mean a good wife, they mean an obedient one. But there is a difference between being good and being obedient. And that can be clearly seen in this story. When Ram's Vanvas was announced, Ram goes to Sita and talks to her a little sternly and says, Sita, now that I leave, you please do take care of all the three mothers and please follow the orders of Bharat as he will be the new king. Sita wept and cross-questioned her husband. What right has anyone given you to make decisions on my behalf without asking my opinion? Nowhere in our marriage vows was it mentioned that you are my master. If you consider yourself my master, then a servant goes wherever his master does. So in that case, I shall come with you. If, however, you are not my master, you have no right whatsoever to decide on my behalf. My decision is, I shall come with you. Ram offered an explanation. Sita, I said so because you are a princess. You've never placed feet outside the carpet. How will you face the adversities of a forest life? I said so sternly, not out of dominance, but out of concern. Sita too lovingly replied, If you were to be the king today, would I not have accepted all the privileges of a queen? If so, Why can't I accept the adversities now? I am your shadow and you are keeping the promise of your father. My father promised during our marriage that I shall be your shadow in palace or forest. Let me keep my father's promise. While Ram, Sita and Lakshman were in forest, Ram and Lakshman would kill demons. One day, Sita objected. She asked Ram, why do you kill them? these demons are creatures just like wild animals. They have a right to live as well. Have they caused any direct harm to you? So isn't this murder? Ram looks at her in shock. Sita continues, I am your wife, your partner in everything. As per the vows exchanged during the wedding, it is my right to question you about your work ethics. And it is my duty to ensure that you do not tread the wrong path. Your spiritual upliftment is my duty too. Hence, I exercise both my right and my duty as I ask you this. Ram goes on to explain to her how he is a Kshatriya. And as a Kshatriya, if he witnesses any injustice, it is well within his purview to ensure justice. Kshatriya Dharma says that the weak should be protected by the strong. He then goes on to say, that he belongs to the Ikshivaku clan and Ikshivaku was the ruler of the entire world. Hence, in some way, Ram is also ensuring justice in the jungle as a responsible king whose ancestor owned every inch of the planet. But this anecdote narrates the rights of a wife in the affairs of her husband. But hasn't Sita made any mistake in her life? Of course she did. How can one forget how she reacted when she saw the golden deer? she forced Ram to bring the deer. Both Ram and Lakshman tried to dissuade her, saying it is some trap, but Sita refused to budge. When Ram left and shouted Lakshman for help, Sita panicked. Lakshman tried to assure her this is some sort of a game. The deer cannot hurt Ram, but Sita told Lakshman some of the harshest words. She said, I know you secretly wish that Ram dies so that you can use me. But if Ram dies, I die too. She did not consider for a second that Lakshman had sacrificed so many years of his life and took care of his brother. How would he wish that Ram should die? Moreover, how could he imagine something as Sita mentioned? All he says is, Bhabhi, some adversity is going to strike you. When an adversity strikes, a person loses his senses. Saying so, Lakshman leaves but draws a Lakshman Rekha, which Sita again crosses, inviting misery for herself. When Hanuman comes to Lanka, a weeping Sita seeks an answer. Is Lakshman still mad at me for my behaviour? He must be so angry. Even Ram must be angry for it. Is he disappointed? Hanuman replied. He never noticed any anger. All he noticed was worry. worry. that if Sita must be safe or no. Sita was baffled. She went on to ask Hanuman, Will Lakshman be able to forgive me? Please convey that I asked for forgiveness. Hanuman replied, We forgive those with whom we hold grudges, Mata Sita, and Lakshman hasn't held any grudge for a second. Just assume, if Lakshman said, or do orton ko azadi, or sar pe churha, or bolo Vanvas Women, just like men, are humans and they can also be of various shades, be it Sita, Kaikai, yet they all have a right to dignity. Women have a right to make mistakes and learn to evolve from them. Or sometimes they may choose not to evolve and keep repeating those mistakes. Yet, this doesn't justify depriving entire womanhood from freedom. When Lakshman cut Shurpanakha's nose, Ram tried to correct him, saying he shouldn't do this to a woman. And Lakshman replied, Bhaiya, justice shouldn't discriminate on the basis of gender. If a man had tried to force himself upon a woman, what would we have done? Punish the man. Today, a woman has tried to force herself upon a man. I took the same action. Equality means equality on both the ends. If men and women can earn, men and women can split the bills, isn't it? Feminism, non-feminism, patriarchy, suddenly these words begin to lose meaning if we focus on humanity. If while describing an incident, we focus on the human was right rather than a gender or a race, example, people curse kai kai. Not womanhood. People curse Shurpinakha, Not womanhood. People say Ravan was the villain. Not all men are the same. If we focus on the right and the wrong of an individual rather than stereotyping a gender, I guess feminism and patriarchy will get redundant. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you have liked the podcast, wish to send a cheering note or share such stories or give me your feedback. Please drop in an email on krishnathakkar61 at gmail.com. I repeat, krishna 61 at gmail.com. Hope you tune in again for the next podcast. Till then, have a happy day. Bye-bye.